Hey, this is Greg Harvey, pastor at Embrace Church. Enjoy today's message and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming sermons. And here's here's why I think it's so important that we preach on marriage is because the enemy would love to tear your marriage apart. He would. He goes after marriages because he knows if he can tear your marriage apart, he can tear your family apart. And if he can get the families, then then it affects the communities. It affects the world. There's power in the family. And here's here's why he goes after the, the marriage so much, too. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. But do you realize what Christ describes the church as to him? That the church is his bride. And that he is our groom. And he is coming back for his bride. And when he can tear up the marriage in the church, he tears up the picture of him in the church. So the enemy loves to go right after the marriage. It's, it's, the, it's the root of it that he, can, he, he loves to just attack the marriage. So, so we want to we counteract that. We want our marriages to be strong. So we're going back to this first week. We're going to the beginning of, of Adam and Eve back in Genesis and, and look at the fall. And what it did to the relationship between Mary, or between Mary, no, I don't think it affected Mary, but um, the the relationship between Adam and Eve, and also the relationship between God, and what that did to them, and and, um, how many know there are tendencies, there's characteristics that that were passed down from Adam and Eve to you, I mean, there there are, there there are, I mean, there we we look a lot like them. I mean, we've got we've got physical traits that are passed down, but we also have spiritual traits, spiritual tendencies that were passed down. We're going to hit some of these spiritual tendencies and deal with that this morning. In Genesis chapter three, verse one, it says, "Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made." And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree that was desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate she also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. Look, look at that, her husband with her. We put a lot about it being Eve who did this. 
And we like to blame Eve, but, but I just want you to realize that Adam was with her. She didn't have to go looking for him. She was right there with him. They, they did this together. They, they, they ate of this together. She ate and then gave it to her husband who was with her. You, you can be seated this morning. We're going we're gonna to look at the fall. And some of the traits that, that go with the fall. And there are certain characteristics, there are certain tendencies that, that happen. And, and I just want to show you this within just a few verses. A few verses that as soon as sin entered in to the world, as soon as sin entered mankind, in just a few short verses, there was broken relationships. There was broken relationships between man and God. There was broken relationships between each other. As soon as sin hit, there became a brokenness between the, the couple. And, 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 and us, there's, there's characteristics, really, that these tendencies that get passed down from this. And I want to show you this because... Um, how it, how it all just seems to happen and how the enemy is so good about coming in and trying to split up marriages, not just, hey, this is good for not just marriages, this is good for any relationship also. It, it all goes the same way. But look at this. We, we stopped at verse 6. Let me, let me go on. Verse 7, it says, Then the eyes of both of them were open." And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid, from, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Yeah, I just want you to realize, when you're running from God and you're hiding from God, He's always searching for you. From the very beginning, He went searching. Now, now He knew where they were, but He was searching for them. And I, I want you to realize that, that He's always searching for you. You can't, can't just hide from Him. He said, where are you? So He said... I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And I want you to just realize the first, if you're taking notes, here's the first tendency that we get whenever it starts the fall of broken relationships. And it's this, the very first tendency that, that we all, all carry with us is shame. And that's what was taking place right here. Sin brought shame to Adam and Eve. Sin, as soon as sin entered the relationship, shame entered their lives. And it just took over. I mean, look at, I mean, think of it this way. Before they hid from God in the garden, they hid from each other. As soon as they sinned and they realized, I'm naked. Because before this, they were naked and unashamed. Just, just a few uh, the chapter before, they were naked and, and unashamed. Now sin hits, and they're naked, and they are ashamed. 
So, so in order to hide from each other, they begin to cover themselves. They, they, they make fig leaves. They, they cover clothing together. And they, they, they hide from one another, and they also hide from God. And, 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 and here's why it's so important, because whenever sin hits where I see relationships beginning to fall, begin to get broken, uh, is because something happens, something takes place, shame hits a life, and you hide from one another. Like, well, I don't hide. No, no, you cover up some stuff. I mean, really, and why do you do that? Because of shame. It might be as simple as, as, as the finances. You, you've, got, you've lost control and you're ashamed with how the finances are, so you try and hide the details from your spouse. Hiding some money here, hiding some stuff there, hiding some bills here, hiding this credit card debt, hiding this. We, we, because why? Because we're ashamed of it and we think we'll be able to get control of it, but we're trying to do it without this one. You're looking at me mean. I mean, what's what's the other things you hide from? What what's the other things that, that you because of shame, because of guilt, that you separate from each other on? Hiding this, secretive about that. This relationship, this, this, this phone call, it started off with just a friend, but now it's turned into something more, and you're secretive about it. Text messages, don't look at my phone, don't do and, and we hide from one another. Why do we do this? Because of the shame that we're dealing with. And when we are embarrassed, we hide. When we're embarrassed about it, we, we hide. This is what they were dealing with. They were dealing with shame because of sin. Look, look at, 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 at um, in Revelations, as, as Jesus is speaking to the church in Laodicea, the church of Laodicea in Revelations chapter, chapter 3, verse 18, he, he says this of them. He said, I counsel you... To buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. But now watch this. In white garments that you may be clothed and the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. Now Jesus isn't speaking about physical garments. He's talking about the shame and the guilt that you deal with from sin. And you become exposed. And when you become exposed, you try and hide. And you try and cover up. And, and that's what's taking place at this moment. And think of it, Adam and Eve before this time, and we don't know how long they've been on earth. We don't know what the time period was really between Genesis 2 and they're, they're all created and Genesis 3 and the, the fall. We don't know the time. But before this, they had never felt shame in their life. They had never dealt with the guilt. They had never dealt with the shame before. And God, you'll, you'll see, um, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll read it later, but the next, next thing is God says, says to them, who told you you were naked? Who, who told you you were naked? And here's the deal, nobody 
had to tell them. It was just the, the sense of shame brought that upon them. They realized at that moment with the guilt and the sense of shame that they needed to cover themselves at that moment. It went hiding. And from that point on, that's a tendency that when we fail, we tend to try and cover it up ourselves. Come on, don't we? When we mess up, we try and cover it ourselves. Here's the thing. We're not good at covering. We're not. We're awful. We're awful when we try and play hide and seek with God and with one another. We're awful at this. We, we, we are awful, so we, we try and pit or, or patch a little bit here and, and pretend like everything's okay and hide under this and hide under that, hide under this. All these little things that we try and put to try and hide from our mistakes, hide from our sins, and we're horrible at hiding. We're horrible at covering up. God knew this, and, and, and he's, He said this in, in Isaiah 61 and 10, he, he said, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. I love this because God recognized the shame and He clothed them. And if you read on in Genesis 3, He, he, he makes real clothes for them. He, he sacrifices an, an animal and he makes clothes uh, for them uh, because he recognizes the shame, uh, but he, he also clothes them spiritually. That's, that's what matters the most. It's the, the garment of salvation that God tries to put on us. It's the garment of salvation, this robe of righteousness. And we try and do everything else to try and hide our own shame and deal with it ourselves instead of just going to the one who is the only one who can cover it. I want to share with you when I was, when I was younger. Now, now I was raised in church my, my whole life. I mean, when I say I was raised in church, I was raised in church. My dad was a pastor, but that's, that's just a part of it. The, the first four years of my life, he was an evangelist. Do you know what that is? That means he went and held revivals. And it wasn't like, like it is now when you have these little two-night revivals. No, no, it went Sunday through Friday. Saturday was travel day. And then it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. When I say I was raised in church, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, I didn't just go to church just two times a week I got as much as I could. I mean, I must have been a heathen. In fact, I remember I got saved when I was five years old. I mean, I was an awful kindergartner. I was. I mean, I was addicted to all this stuff. and God set me free. Saved me. 
five years old. I was always, what I'm saying is, I was always in church. But I remember when, when I hit my teenage years. I mean, how many you, you've hit, you, you remember, you hit some teenage years. And that was the first time you really experienced the shame of it. And if you were a church kid like me, every Sunday or Sunday night, I would be down at the altar. I would be crying. I would be bawling. And I still felt the shame. Because here's what, here's what, what the, the, the devil would tell me. It's like, you're the only one doing this. When do you, has he told you all the same stuff? Uh, let, let me just ask you, we'll, we'll do a little poll. Maybe make you feel better, maybe not. Let, let me ask, look, how many of you, after you gave your life to Christ, you sinned? Look, look, look keep them up, keep them up. After you gave your life to Christ, you, you actually sinned. Yeah. Look, look around. We have a bunch of sinners in the house, really. I'm, what, what I'm trying to tell you, you're not alone. And the enemy will try and tell you you're the only one who struggles. You're the only one who, who, who does this. You're the only one. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to create that shame. That you're embarrassed. That you can't talk to anybody about this. You can't, you can't deal with it. And, and what, what's worse is when you're married, you can't talk to your spouse. Because the shame, you can't, you can't open up and you end up, he knows if he can get the shame in you, you'll divide out. That, that you won't, you'll hide from one another. You won't deal with this. You, and, and the relationship begins to be torn apart because of the shame of really your nakedness. Your vulnerability, your your mistakes that you're afraid that will get exposed to everyone. So you hide and you cover in the shame. But let me show you the next thing of what it leads to. When he gets the shame down in you, it, it, it goes on. It says in, in, in the 11th verse, watch this, it says, And he said, God... He asked him, he said, who told you that you were naked? And then he asked a question that he already knew the answer to. Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman who you gave me, who you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? 
Notice, notice the next step whenever shame hits. The next thing is blame. You begin to blame everybody for what you're dealing with. You begin to play this blame game. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? I mean, look at, look at that verse. Adam, Adam, in one verse, in one verse, Adam blamed two people. In one verse. It was God and it was the woman. The woman gave it to me, and by the way, God, you gave me her, so you're partly responsible for this. Not my fault. I would have been just fine if you wouldn't have gave... I wouldn't have ever went to that tree because I knew the law. It was her and, and, and you. And even, even if you go, go on and, and God says to the woman, you know, what, what have you done? What does she do? It was the devil made me do it. We're so quick at blaming each other, blaming other people, blaming, blaming one another for our, for our mistakes. Why? Because of the shame that we're dealing with and the embarrassment that we deal with. So we immediately begin to blame each other. And you, you see this with, with your kids if you've got kids. They're quick to blame someone else, aren't they? They come home with a bad grade. What's the first thing they say? The teacher just doesn't like me. It's her fault. It's not the fact that I don't study. Now, talking class, she just doesn't like me. It's, it's her. It's the. We do these little, little things, and they seem a little innocent, but, but how many of us have ever, when you've misplaced your keys, you call out to your spouse, Where did you put them? Come on. I know where I left them. Where did you put them? I haven't touched your keys. How many of you have you ever had that conversation? I know you have. We're so quick to blame. We don't misplace things. Somebody stole it. Where did you hide the remote? We're so quick. And I know it seems so innocent. I know it seems, but, but really, really what blame, where root to blame is because when it really hits and shame is, and you're dealing with something in your life. I've done marriage counseling so many times where, where the couple, the, the person would have had an affair and they blame the other one for the fact they had an affair. We're quick to blame. It's not my fault. If, if she would have just showed me more attention. And it might seem like no big deal. But do you know what blame really is at its root? Blame is an accusation. It is. 
When you blame someone else, you're accusing them. Say, well, still, I don't get this. Do you know what the Word of God says, who the accuser of the brethren is? Let me put it this way. Jesus isn't on the right hand of the Father accusing you for every time you sin, but there is someone accusing you. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And when you are accusing each other, when you get caught up in this pattern of now we're separating out a little bit more and a little bit more and blame is happening and blame is going, accusations are flying in your marriage, you know what's happening is Satan is sneaking in, sneaking in, and he's telling you, he's, he's speaking in your ear and you're repeating it out. Because that is exactly what he does. Every accusation comes from Satan. So when you are living your marriage and your relationships and you're wondering, well, well, I haven't done anything. It's all their fault. I haven't done anything. It's their fault. They're the reason I'm going through this. They're the reason we're dealing with it. They're the reason. And you're throwing blame back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. All that's happening is Satan is getting in every single word. And it starts with, though, it starts with the shame and then it goes to the blame. And then there's the next tendency, and this is where it really begins to fall apart. Is it, is it goes to a competition, if you will. It goes to, to competition and labeling one another. Let, let, me, let me show you this. Because in, in, in Genesis, the... the the 14th through 19, I left off at 13, 14 through 19 is, is God is just laying down the curses. Really what's happening to them because of their sin. It's not that God cursed them. He's just laying them know sin brought a curse. And this is now what you're going to have to deal with because sin is entered in. This is what will follow. So for 19... 14 through 19 verses, he is just sharing with them what's going to happen. And then as soon as God is done with the curses, look at this at verse at, at Genesis 3 and verse 20. It says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living things. And when you just read over that and you don't really realize what's taking place, you just think, well, that's no big deal. Well, Adam, Adam called his wife's name Eve. But I'll tell you what's taking place here at this verse. What's happening is Adam is declaring the separation. And he's labeling her. Because... God didn't name her Eve. I don't know if y'all realize that. God did name her, but he did not name her Eve. Did y'all know that? 
Let me show you. In Genesis chapter 5, verse 2, look at this. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam. The day when they were created. And I know you're thinking, well, that seems, I've never heard that. That seems like some farce off the wall. There's so many weird translations now. This has to be a weird one. Look at that. It's, do you see that over here? KJV. Do you know what that stands for? King James Version. What? This isn't some off the wall weird translation. This isn't the Passion Version, if that's the... Not anything against the Passion Version. God named them both Adam. He said, look, when God created them, he said, you are one. And I'm calling you like you're one. You're Adam male. You're Adam female. You're one. You're one. And when sin comes in and the shame hits and the blame hits, the, the next thing that happens is Adam says, no, we're not one. We're two. We're separate. We're, we're not one. I'm Adam. You're Eve. When God calls Adam, he's not talking to you. He's going to be talking to me every time. I know he created us to be one, but, but we're two. You got me in this mess. You're the reason. You're the reason we're dealing with the curses. I wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for you. You're the reason the blame hits. And then after the blame, it goes into the separation of we're apart. We're, we're no longer one flesh. And think of how quickly this happened. Chapter 2, Adam's declaring. Adam's saying, look, you're bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. We're one. As soon as sin hits, then he's going, no, no, we're not anymore. We're two. And by the way, you're not just Eve, but here's why you're Eve. Why I'm calling you Eve? Because you are the mother of all living things. So he not only separates her, but he labels her. I mean, why would he say that? You, you're the mother of all. And that sounds kind of good, too. Except when you think about it, when the curse was given, what was the curse that was given to Eve is that, hey, every time you bear children, it's going to be painful now. And Adam's saying, hey, you're the mother of all living things. Your job is to do nothing but provide children for me. And I know it's going to be painful. And I know it's going to hurt. And that's going to be your curse, but that's your job. And he labels her to just bear children. That's it. That's your only job. That's your only job. That's your, that's your only job. 
Man, I, and I kind of want to point that out because, because I feel this labeling of Adam has stayed with ladies for way too long. And it's even stayed with them in the church that we try and declare that you're not much if you don't have children, that your whole job is to have children, that you're supposed to be the wife, you're supposed to be the mother, and that's it, and that's your whole job, that's your whole purpose in life. But let me tell you, God didn't put that on you, ladies. That was Adam who placed that. God, God didn't call you to just be a mom. Now, that's a high calling, but that is not the highest calling. The highest calling is that you you are a child of the Most High God. And He has a purpose and a plan for your life, not just to be a mom. Y'all were quiet on me on that one. So, so I watch, because of this labeling, you watch as mothers when their children leave the house, and depression hits because that was their whole purpose in life, they thought. That's the damage of the labeling that takes place. And Adam is labeling her. And what he's really doing is he is competing and separating from her. All because sin came in, shame came in, they begin to blame each other, and now they are labeling and separating from one another. We're not one, we're two. I'm Adam, you're Eve, you've got your job to do. Watch, watch, watch the competition that takes place, because it's not just Adam. It's Eve going at it too. In Genesis 3 and verse 16, God is saying what's going to happen because the consequences of the sin. And he says this about Eve. He said, to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children and can all the women say thank you, Eve. No, hey, hey, I would claim to God that is part of the curse, and I reject that. Give me an epidural. <laughs> Thank goodness I don't have to do that. But watch this. He said, now here's the result, too, of this. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Now, now, men, because I've heard men say that's your job is to rule over because it's in the Bible, that was part of the curse. That wasn't the way God intended. God never intended, men, he never intended you to rule over your wife. He intended for you to lead like God leads. He intends for you to lay down your life for your wife. And to servant lead, not rule over. And, 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 and I've watched as men try and take this out of context and rule over, and God never intended for that to be. So get that out of your head. But, but, but let me 
just show you really a little bit more of this because it said your desire shall be for your husband. And that sounds good, but that Hebrew word there for desire is teshua. And it's only used a few times. It's only used three times in the, in the, in the Bible, this, this Hebrew word teshua. Here where it's desire for your husband. There's another part where when, King, when Cain sins and, and he kills Abel, that, that God speaks to him and he uses this word. He said, sins, desires to come after you. And then there's, there's one in Song of Solomon that's really describing God's desire for us. But, but this, this Hebrew word, it means, it means really more than just desire. Because if you read it in this context, you're thinking, well, that's a good thing. Your desire shall be for your husband. That's good. But this word really means more a desire to control. So, so when you read this translation in the New Living Translation, this verse, and it describes it better, it says, and you will desire to control your husband. And he will rule over you. God, God was saying, let me tell you the effects. This is what we've come down to. Because of shame hits. And because you've been blaming one another. Let me now show you the consequences of this. And in the curse, he's saying, look, you're going to desire to control him. And he's in turn going to rule you. He's describing there is going to be this battle, this competition for one another, against one another. Instead of working together, instead of the way I intended this to be, that you are one, you're dividing out, and you'll battle against each other. Why do you think so many times when you're having the fights, you have to win? right here that you've got to get the last say it's my way not not working together why is it that we fight and argue because of this competition now that is trying to divide us part of the curse So what's the answer? Let me let me let me get the worship up here, and I'll 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 end this thing, so that y'all don't start blaming me. That 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 that's getting late, and you're hungry. Don't don't blame me. You knew I preached long sometimes. What's the answer to all this, my son, my son? Remember, he, he took a, a history class in school, ninth grade. We're, we're in Indiana, and his, his teacher was a pastor. And he tell, was telling the story that one of the kids one time turned in an answer on a test. They didn't know the answer to it, and they wrote Jesus in the blank. And... And the teacher, because they knew he was a pastor, they wrote Jesus in the blank. And the teacher 
called him out on it and said, why did you put that here? And he said, well, you've told us before Jesus is the answer to everything. He said, I'll let it slide this time. Don't try it again. <laughs> so what, what's, what's the answer to this? It, it's, it's Jesus. It, it's Jesus. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but when Christ came to earth, he came to a family. You say, well, yeah, of course. He didn't have to. God, God could have just placed him on the earth at age 30 when he's about to start his ministry. He could have just placed him there. He could have had no mother, no brothers, no sisters. He could have, he could have just bypassed the family altogether and just said, here's, here's the sacrifice, the lamb. He's going to teach y'all a little bit and then he will bear the weight of the sins of the world and go up. But instead... He said, no, I'm going to place him in a family. Kind of a messed up family at that. I'm not even going to let them get married before I start their family off wrong. Seems like. I'm going to, I'm going to place him in this young girl. Who's not married yet. And I'm going to see, try and make this marriage work even in the difficulties. I'm going to place him with siblings who at the time while he's on earth won't even follow him. That are jealous of him. who are mad at Him, who don't understand so much that, that, that we read at one verse that, that, that Mary, after Joseph has died and Jesus is in ministry, that Mary and all His siblings go and try and get Him back home because they know it's better for Him. What I'm saying, He came into a broken family. A mess. He kind of like... Your family. My family. How, how many of you have got some messed up stuff in your family? Aren't you glad that God isn't afraid to come to yours? And here's the whole purpose of it. In Acts, Acts it says this. In, in Acts chapter 3, verse 25 that you are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed, speaking of the Messiah, the Christ, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Not cursed. That happened with sin. But, but because of Christ, now all the families can be blessed. Well, pastor, my marriage and stuff, 
I can relate a little bit more, it seems like, to the blame and the accusations right now. What do I do? I tell you, the answer usually comes to this. I've watched it. If you go back to the root, the root is the shame. The root is the hiding. The root is the trying to cover because the shame, trying to cover it yourself instead of letting Christ cover you instead with his righteousness. And if God can deal with the shame, the blame, and the accusations, the competition, the labeling that goes away too. Thanks for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Have a great week and make an impact on those around you.